0: Hey, Digitally China is produced together with our friends at Radii, this awesome independent media platform. If you're interested in culture and innovation in China, you should definitely check out radiochina.com They'll give you an inside look into everything from China's underground music scene to bike sharing. That's r-a-d-i-i-china.com. Welcome to this latest episode of Digitally China. With us, we have Jill, the co founder of Ladies Who Tech. And today we're going to talk about both Ladies Who Tech, entrepreneurship, and also foreign brands. Welcome to Digitally China, China. a podcast about the fascinating Chinese Chinese tech tech industry. industry, Created together with Radii. I'm Eva. I'm Jacob. And I'm Tom. So, according
1: to various studies, China's gaming industry is now, in fact, the largest in the world. You may know their messaging app called WeChat.
0: Chinese outbound M&A. Chinese corporates are buying international companies at record pace. Hottest
1: phone you've probably never heard of.
0: China's Xiaomi. Yes, it's state.
1: It's claim. Major deal over in China, you have Chinese tech giant Tencent leading an $8.6 billion acquisition to buy a major stake in Supercell.
0: $14.3 billion in sales clocked by a Chinese e-commerce site in one wild day.
1: Ladies Who Tech was started two and a half years ago. By exact, is on International Women's Day in 2017. Mm-hmm. The, the concept was actually from my co-founder, Shaling Liu. Mm-hmm. She went to a massive thousand women tech conference in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And then she was amazed as herself. She's an electrical engineer background. And she, she has never seen a thousand women tech in the room who actually build cars, you know, build planes and then do cool stuff. Right, mm. And then she was like, well, why we don't have this in China? Yeah. Then she came back to China and said, Joe, let's do this together and then make this as a movement.
0: At that time, how was the topics about female entrepreneurship in China?
1: I think overall, because I'm Chinese myself, mm-hmm. I've moved back from overseas to China for almost seven years. So I, I can see um, basically the changes. I would say uh, now it's really friendly to do something here in China and the cost of setting up your own business is also not too expensive. And then for the female part, I would say China's a little bit different mm-hmm. compared to I would say the Western world or the, the rest of the world because of the acceptance of women in the workplace is very high. So, in terms of job placement, it's fine, but then again, I think overall it's a universal problem about the diversity. We yeah. said diversity, right It doesn't matter if it's in a workplace or in a startup world. Um, you often can see in a lot of conference always the page of the least speakers, ninety percent are male yeah. right and but then the whole world has population women. How can we get more women to contribute to, you know, like workplace, but also being an entrepreneur and then to bring up the diversity in anything that it would create for a more balanced environment Mm -hmm. overall? We need to have more role models in a female entrepreneurship, as well as in the workplace.
0: So actually, in Silicon Valley a few years ago, mm-hmm. there has been a lot of discussion about, mm-hmm. you know, sexism. Mm-hmm. And except from being like from a normal human perspective, if it's not being good enough, mm-hmm. it's also that you've seen that a lot of VCs have missed huge opportunities for products targeting, you know, the other 50 yes. percent you know, yes. of the target audience. Yes. So are you seeing the same type of discussions within the investor community here in China?
1: I think that will tie back into the stereotype Mm -hmm. or unconscious bias. Those are the two things that we actually need to slowly developing or changing the mindset of people on men is better than women or women is going to not be able to deliver certain things when they may be married, have a kid, they should stay at home. So I think in that perspective, yes, still have a lot of, uh, I would say, disadvantage when women come in to become, um, you know, entrepreneurs or even a leader in a company?
0: Yeah, I mean, like one thing that I really love with Ladies Who Tech and the content you produce, whether it is conferences or just digital content, is that, at least for me as a male, it's educated me very much and brought in my eyes about a totally new set of different products and brands that are out there on the market. So I'm naturally not a consumer of this industry. So therefore, of course, I haven't seen them when browsing Mall or whatever, right? And and that actually, for me, just um, have educated me quite a lot about these different business opportunities out there. Do, do you get that a lot, that type of comment?
1: Oh, Yeah. Thank you so much, firstly, Tom. Mm. But our slogan is tech has no gender. So Mm. for us, because our mission is to improve the gender diversity and inclusion in the STEM industry in China, right? Mm -hmm. But that means we need to create, firstly, an inclusive and diversity environment, which means we need to include men to be part of this movement. Mm -hmm. But in order to do this our content doesn't matter. It's online, offline events or online content. It needs to be more neutral in terms of content is we rather show off what women has been creating or building to show benefits of having a gender diversity in design a product or doing a business instead of, oh, we are women, so we are so good. Look at us. It's more about we show what they do and subtly to influence people, say, hey, it's actually really good to have a diversity in my startup company or in a uh, multinational companies, right, to have a more diversified team.
0: You as an entrepreneur, uh, you do a lot of different things, working with MNCs and mm-hmm. such. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that?
1: I think timing. In China, we say timing location people. So I guess timing is perfect now for us to promote gender diversity in the, in the STEM industry here mm-hmm. right now in China. To be honest, the women in tech movement, we are five years behind than U.S. or mm-hmm. Europe, right? So for the multinational companies, they already have the awareness to increase the gender diversity in order to um, have the impact growth for mm-hmm. business, right? Not only making money, but also making a social impact, which two things can be done in one go, yeah. right? Through different strategy, which one of them is gender diversity. So for us, it's a great timing because they've done it overseas four or five years ago, and then now it's just a strategy coming over to China. It's just a matter of how that get implemented mm-hmm. well or not in China, right? That really giving us a very easy way to knock the door and talk to the MNCs, which they already know the strategies in place globally, but it's more localized, the content, how they can work with us in China to be able to, you know, achieve the the result outcome they want to achieve. So, so far, we have been very lucky working with, I mean, the tech companies such as Google, SAP, or Bayer, Kia, you know, all of those large companies, um, being very supportive by them, as well as the government as well.
0: Why is this important for MNCs? Like, f- from a China perspective,
1: I think their top three um, needs, what I can see, one is from recruitment perspective. Mm-hmm. They wanted to create basically an employment branding to show to the talents, hey, you know, we are a company really care about the, uh, diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. So to basically building up their employment branding. It's already a battle to find the best tech talents. Mm-hmm. Why not think about another channel and another gender, right? Yeah. Because actually... China, there are a lot of uh, uh, people are just studying in, in computer science and engineering, right? But, you know, why not giving them one more option to looking at another gender, right? Also because it's better for the product and design. Because if the product is fit for all gender, then to have more divisive team in a product team, tech team, that will design a, I would say, more balanced product, which is more welcome by another gender, which means it will lead to better sales in, for your p Why mm-hmm. not? And third one is, of course, the impact. So you basically combine recruitment, social impact, and also economic return in Mm -hmm. one go by promoting gender diversity. So they all know it's a good investment Mm -hmm. and it's a smart investment.
0: Hmm. So actually, in this podcast before, we've been talking quite a lot about war culture. So either 996 or the very famous wolf culture of Huawei that we did one episode about. And me uh, growing up abroad... Sometimes I get the very distinct feeling that uh, some of these work cultures are, let's say, less mature Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, when it comes to maybe respecting people's Mm. private time, Mm. personal time and Mm. all that stuff. Do you see a big difference between domestic tech companies and, let's say, MNCs when it comes to diversity and balance?
1: Totally. I think you can see the MNCs, the names that we mentioned, which now we know China has more... Fortune five hundred companies than US right now, right? The ranking, which is reason. However, all of the MNCs we are working with for gender diversity, they're all foreign companies. Hmm. We haven't worked with any Chinese tech company, even though we are having conversation with them. Okay. Right? But seems like it takes relatively longer for um to make that I would say movement with those companies. So I think for Chinese tech companies it will take a little bit longer, I would say education period of time for them to realize for long term this is good for them. But again, if we can come up with a matrix that short term they can see the benefits, I'm sure they're willing to do it. Uh, you know, if mm-hmm. short term they can get benefit and then what that will lead to the long term benefits. It's just we need to work out that that formula first but i'm i think they're open to it it's just more about i would say different goal you know sometimes it's at the pressure of timing right yes mm. we want to have diversity but i really need someone to do this job right now to fulfill this director role mm. whether i should go for wait for diversity or actually i feel someone right now who is good enough you know you know what i mean like this kind yeah. of conflicts
0: yeah well like i mean in these type of conversations when we talk about silicon valley or or western tech companies they have the same type of arguments, right? Uh, that a lot of CEOs are saying, you know, yeah, of course I, I want diversity, but I have KPIs, yes, you know, exactly. I need to survive or exactly. whatnot. And then the, there's two sides of that argumentation, right? One side is that, no, you're just lazy mm. uh, because you should be able to do long term and short term at the same time. Yeah. And on the other side is like their argument.
1: Yeah. So for us, I know for some of the women who, you know, getting the leadership roles, sometimes they feel, oh, uh, my male counterparty think I got this role is because I'm a woman because there's a quota within the MNC. Instead of looking at me is because I'm capable for that role. Right. But then I think because the male counterparties, they didn't realize the pool for that role is not balanced. Mm-hmm. You often get nine candidates from male and one from women. Yeah. Until we have five women and five men to apply for that, that position, then that's a point we can talk about. I only choose a candidate who is good for the job, not because of gender. Yeah. But until then, you still need to do the extra work to balance that pool, right?
0: because there's also a lot of other conversations regarding diversity and not only gender and especially for MNCs about mixing people with different backgrounds i mean there're these famous stories about you know when Nokia was as its largest their entire senior management team were finnish people but their largest market were the chinese market you know yeah 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 uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons they failed we don't know mm. it's, it's it's easy to judge them mm. after they failed right mm-hmm. But when it comes to this topic overall about diversity, Chinese tech companies versus the MNCs, do you feel that Chinese tech companies are more inclusive or not?
1: China, in terms of doing the diversity inclusion, are not as, I would say, the scale or even awareness as MNCs. But once they realize it, they might not need five or ten years to do it. They're probably just going to make a policy and make it happen. That's, you know, we call the China speed. Yeah. Right. So no one knows when that's going to happen. It can be in two years. It can be another five years. But no matter the timeline, we still need to continue to work on this movement, which I think it makes sense for China to adapt this movement because it's aligned with the strategy for the country overall anyway. Yeah. So it's all benefits more than just, you know, like the downsides. And I really hope the Chinese tech company will start at least having a conversation, try to look inwards about the, the diversity part. Yeah.
0: So thanks to your, your kind of leadership within the community and you being involved with a lot of very large companies and their overall innovation efforts, I would call it, more than only you know, diversity, you're actually launching a brand accelerator and, right. and an investment unit called Cosmic Ventures, yeah. looking at new brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me, what are the large trends you see in the B2C market here in China right now?
1: Um, I think for the consumer here now, they became relatively, More sophisticated than Mm -hmm. before and because they're getting more um, well traveled, Mm -hmm. more people getting educations from overseas. Mm -hmm. So I think the personalized customer experience is weighted more valuable than just you have money and you buy expensive luxury goods. Mm -hmm. Right. So to create a personal experience, more customized experience. For those people who really wanted to show what they wear, what they use to show their personal identity, it's become more and more important, especially the millennials, right? So not only recruitment side, we need to understand more about millennials, but as a consumer, as a brand, you need to understand the Chinese millennials, what they like, and in what kind of channel they get information, right? That's why I think to launching Cosmic Accelerator and Ventures, it's very important for us to work with brands together. One is to do uh, basically marketing tests or customer validation in the China market. I would say over China and Asia Hmm. to basically minimize the cost of a test Instead of a big chunk of investment in the beginning before even you understand your market yeah. to test your product and then leads towards to a more smart investment in this market, which is, of course, it's 1.4 billion people. It's a great market for for all the brands, right? Yeah. But you just need to be smart about it, how to run it, right, with the right channel and right people. So I think for us, we hope to work with brands who is sustainable. Mm-hmm. sustainable, not only in terms of money wise, but also environment wise, or, you know, we always talk about green products, you mm. know, that kind of mindset, as well as scalable, and then um, basically ready to go here. So we really hope that we can find like minded brands that we can work together and grow together in, in China. So that's why. Firstly, China is not one market, right? So the product you sell in Shanghai, the language or the social media channel you use might be completely different when you're trying to sell in Qinghai or Chengdu, right? That city is completely different channel, different language you use to market your product or different key opinion leaders you are going to use. So the complexity of the market here in China, it's not easy. It's really hard. I used to have the mindset with overseas brands, Mm. you know, I wanted to have a proper market research, come up with a strategy and then have a whole picture and then I'll go for it. Mm. Right. But then as entrepreneur, both of us, right, we have that mindset is, OK, we pivot as we go, which I work out really well here in China. Sometimes you just need to be open minded. You don't need to wait until the perfect strategy is ready. You go, but be smart about it. Take a small, you know, budget on testing the market You know, come up with your minimal viable product strategy Mm -hmm. and then you can pivot as you go instead of using, I guess, the traditional big companies mindset. But I'm not saying to forget about what they used to do, Mm -hmm. adapting the China way only. I think, again, the right balance. Mm -hmm. So I think there need to be a combination. Of, of this.
0: So let's talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. Mm. You're in the intersection between multinationals, domestic entrepreneurs, foreign entrepreneurs. And then there's another layer of complexity, which is as there's a category of Chinese entrepreneurs. They are both foreign and domestic. <laughs> they studied abroad but come back. Do you see any distinct differences between them?
1: I think I'm categorized in one path, which is I still think I'm not very jie di qi. I don't know if that can be translated properly into English. It's even me, as local Chinese who were born and grew up here, I'm still not that localized in a way. So you can see a huge difference between the local, local Chinese entrepreneurs compared to. The international Chinese entrepreneurs. I mean, international is not even someone who were born or grew up overseas. I mean, someone who actually studied overseas and mm-hmm. coming back, right? Even those two categories are, can be very different in terms of mindset and the way how they approach things. Yeah. It will be reflect on even how they organize events, what kind of term they use, right, during that kind of um, environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very, very different. I think the local Chinese entrepreneurs definitely with that wolf uh, gene, right? Yeah. 996, I would even joking say zero zero 007. Basically, mm-hmm. you don't have time to rest. For me, I know that you you need to be working really hard to get the result, but I still really care about the balance and then especially mm-hmm. the spirituality or the mindfulness part for me to really figuring out what I want to do in long term instead of oh, I work 007, compromise my health, my family, or my time, uh, because to me, life is not only about your startup, mm-hmm. but it's overall picture. So I think that's the difference I see. To me, it's like think building a tech itself, um, it's still a mainstream here, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I, I Building this hardcore, it doesn't matter, it's a hardware or it's software or it's whatever the platform it is. Mm-hmm. The mainstream is still where, what's, what's popular, getting investment. But I slowly can see a trend of the one who already achieved. Say, for example, I think the CEO of Sogo. Mm-hmm. I remember I went to a conference and I hear what he was talking is now he's really start slowly paying attention to the mindfulness part. Because he realized being always so busy on building stuff is actually now when he achieved where he is, it's blocking the creativity mm. to go even bigger. Yeah. Well, after 15, 20 years of building this, what's next? Yeah. Right. So now he's slowly actually start thinking about what can unblock his creativity and, and, and which is going to be the mindfulness path, right? So when you're building tech itself, it's not only for its cool, it's going to raise money, it's going to make me a billion-year IPO in three five years' time, and then what's next? Mm-hmm. So I think the people like them, they start already thinking about it. It mm-hmm. just when it's going to reflect on their work.
0: We don't know. But that raises a very interesting question. Is it possible to build a tech company in China in the current climate, in the current type of competition, without being that very local type of entrepreneur and, you know, ready to work 007?
1: I think not yet. Mm -hmm. For me, the gut feeling is maybe it will take another five years. The leadership that I've seen here for the entrepreneurs is a lot of them still are very good at building stuff. But a lot of them not really uplift themselves and looking at the stuff they're building in a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're successful. It works in China. But if you look at it globally, I I still can see the difference between the vision between the Chinese entrepreneurs and then actually the big one from, from the world. They're still very different.
0: So would it be okay to summarize that the very successful Chinese entrepreneurs, and now for the record, we're probably excluding Ponyma and Jack Ma, so, so, so let's say just the generation below them, right? Would it be fair to summarize and say they are really strong at operation execution, while maybe the Western entrepreneur is more about vision and product strategy?
1: Yeah, I think even not only in entrepreneur, even the uh, employee-wise, like the Mm talent-wise, you still can see um, the Chinese are very good at execution operation. um, And then I think a lot of the creative side, either we import, I would say, from overseas or Chinese actually studied overseas. So I would say... Back to the question that you actually um, asked me before, right? Whether the Chinese actually are able or is going to transit building a tech, but also without that kind of 996 or 007, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's possible, but the possibility of those entrepreneurs probably will be someone like us, Mm -hmm. right? We were born and grew up here. We understand both worlds. We just need Mm -hmm. to find that right product, right balance, and then that will happen. Because I think the big companies working really well here, It doesn't mean they're working well when they go overseas, right? It's just big name. We all live in China. Of course, they're huge. But when you actually go overseas, when you look at them in that country, it's not as what they say here, right? So yeah, so I still think, uh, you know, they need to learn from each other.
0: Yeah, I'm actually very conflicted about that as an entrepreneur yeah? in China yeah, yeah. Uh, about this topic because so I'll just give you a concrete example. The way we work with product development is that we're data-driven, so we find a few problems to solve. Let's say conversion is bad in this certain user scenario. Let's fix the conversion, right? And then there are two ways for you to fix it. I would say the very local domestic way, which is the, that the manager or the CEO just says, okay, these five solutions execute on them make sure they're online by end of day so we so I get data in right and then there's the more western way to do it which is that I, as a team, all right, can you just please think about and be creative, look at other apps, what they do, blah, blah, blah. So we find one solution we believe in, and then we execute on that one solution instead. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Mm -hmm. And before doing any company in China, there were only that solution, that you focus on one solution and you, you try to fix it, right? But now when I've seen the likes of Didi having 20 different product teams, Every day doing stuff, but only one gets approved. That's a totally different mindset, totally different way to run product development in an innovative space. You would call it. Have you seen any concrete examples of what works, what what doesn't, or is it just a value based decision you make there?
1: I think it also depends on who is the person does execution, right? Um, If they are less. Creative or with a critical mindset, I would say, well, giving them direction with five solutions, get them to do and then see whatever it's working or not, mm-hmm. and then slowly developing them along the way and say, hey, here's the five solutions I gave to you, and then maybe you can also come up with certain solutions you think is work because you are local here. You are the client front-facing person. You know better client than, than we do as management team. Mm-hmm. And then let's even come up with more creative solution on top of the five we give to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think still need a direction first and then still encouraging them to come up with a solution which is more suitable for the local market. Couple of solutions in parallel.
0: Before we wrap up today, I want to cover a final topic. You moved to China about seven years ago, right? Around that time, we saw this huge hype and uptick. In entrepreneurship. You yeah. know, you have these classic stories about venture capitalists hanging out around Baidu's offices or Ali's offices just trying to get people to quit and give them money to start companies, right? So my instant reaction around that time is that I saw a new generation of people that actually were not entrepreneurs that quit their job just because they got you know, VC money to do something, but not really understanding how different the real life is. How have you seen the development of entrepreneurs and especially tech entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs here in China?
1: Well, so firstly, the entrepreneurship is a lifestyle. It's not just defined by, oh, you start a company, you're an entrepreneur. It's whether you actually enjoy being an entrepreneur and the lifestyle
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you sign up for. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think now the investors or VCs have become smarter and smarter on what kind of project or people, the money they are going to invest to. Um, before, a lot of tech companies obviously rely on the capital to scale, but yeah. now it's more about, okay, whether you are sustainable yourself, whether you will have a cash flow or profitable instead of relying on burning investors' money, right? Yeah. So that's why we say it's a winter for investment market here for projects. But I think if your product and project is great, There's no winter for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if if you can prove that you are sustainable, you are a good product, like, then I'm sure you still can get the money easily. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, to me is people are so into the concept of being an entrepreneur. But I always say there's a lot of zombie entrepreneurs, right? They stop their companies, but they're not doing anything. They fail in a year or two and then maybe enjoy being the concept of being an entrepreneur. But, I mean, calling it zombie entrepreneur is like, well, there are a lot of companies Uh, registered every year but how active they are right Mm -hmm. so to me it's all about i know for sure i i'm entrepreneur it's not by the value how much i create right now for the company it's more about i like to constantly create and i enjoy the entrepreneur or startup lifestyle very much Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me to go back to corporate, I cannot even imagine a day sitting in a company, mm-hmm. unless maybe in the more innovation department, probably mm-hmm. I, I can do this because some of my entrepreneurial friends, they, they decide to go back to corporate, but more innovative environment. So, yeah, so I, I, I think more and more people are more, more rational now about to start something themselves. Yeah. But I still can see the passion from the millennials as well. And the millennials are so smart. Um, I learned a lot from those people. And I think overall in China, the entrepreneurship ecosystem, I think still a lot of people are passionate about it, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah.
0: So I've learned a lot today, Jill. And thank you so much for being here with us. So tell our listeners, where can they find you online?
1: Oh, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> um, so you can find me on LinkedIn by yeah. searching... Joe Tang or you can find me on the other social media Instagram which is Joe810 I'm pretty much across all of the social media so you can easily find me online
0: so if you're curious about anything we've talked about today feel free to reach out to Jill directly and as always thank you for listening to Digitally China and we are available on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and almost everywhere as well thank you for listening
1: thank you